So this morning we're going to continue in our series, The Greatest. And uh, the last couple of weeks we've been talking about um, the greatest. And, and we've been talking about week one, we talked about God's love for us. And, and it, was, it was one of the best messages I heard, not because I preached it, but because I was here to listen to it. And it was, it was just good. And we talked about how, how God loved us and how he loves us today. We talked about how he loved Jesus before Jesus did anything to earn that love. And so for you today, and I just want to recap this, God loved you, made up his mind about you long before you were even a twinkle in your daddy's eye. Amen? Before you could do anything right or wrong, God made his mind up that he loves you. And that may be a hard pill to swallow, and it may be something that sounds like a cliche, but let me tell you something. When you get it, when you get the fact that God loves you, he made his mind up about you a long time ago. He doesn't love you because of what you do. He loves you because of who you are. Amen? Because you can never be perfect enough for God's love. So he made his mind. I mean, all the Bible says in Ephesians also that he decided in advance to adopt us into his family. So you now belong to the family. If you've given your life to Jesus, welcome to the family. Come on. Look at your neighbor and say, welcome. Welcome to the family. Can't wait for you to meet some of the relatives. <laughs> Certain ones. <laughs> so he made up his mind in advance to adopt us into his family. And, and so God seems to have this incredible plan to bring us to himself. And he made up his mind in advance that I'm going to love you before you do anything. Because I know you can't do anything to earn my love. I'm just going to go ahead and give it to you before you do anything. Right or wrong. Before you can do anything, God loves you. So he loves you before, he loves you during, and he loves you after. You know something? When you fall, God still loves you. The enemy wants to come and tell you that God's mad at you. He wants to tell you that, oh, you finally blew it. This is it. This is the end of the line. You can't go any further than this. That's what he wants to say. But that's what the enemy says. That's not what God says. And that's not what his word says. Right? When we fall, the Bible's pretty clear that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and watch this and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we'll just confess our sins. Amen. So today we're going to continue on. Last week we talked about how to love God back and, and, and how important that is, is it, in loving God back and giving that love back to God. And so we, we looked at the life of Jesus and how Jesus loved God back. And there was a, a verse in John where Jesus made this statement, he says, I do what the Father requires of me to do so that the world will know that I love God. Right? So we don't do what God requires of us to do for God to love us. We do it because we love him back. You can only do that when you know that you've already got his love. So when you've already got the love of God in your heart, you know that it's yours. It was decided in advance that it was yours. Then when God requires something of you, a commandment, something he may speak to you to go and do, when you turn around and you do that, what he requires, you're ultimately loving him back. You're saying to him, I love you. When you go to your neighbor's house and you pull their trash can from the road back to their house. I love you, God. It's as simple as that. It's not complicated. Right? And it's important for us to love God back. But it should be the natural flow out of receiving his love is for us to want to love him back. You should never feel like you have to love him back because of some kind of heavy somebody put on you that if you don't do this, Right? That's not real love. Real love is when you tell your kids to go do something and they actually go do it the first time. Right? When you tell Ethan to go throw the garbage out and he goes right then and there, right there. Okay? Right there. He goes, he grabs the bag, ties it up, brings it, actually puts it in the garbage can, then comes back and puts an empty bag in the... Whoo! Come on, that's some love right there. Right? Well, so it is with God. When he, when he asks us to do something and he requires something of us, when we do it, we're loving him back because we want to, not because we have to. Amen? 
So today, we're, our, our, one of our theme verses has been Matthew chapter 22, and we're, we've been talking about the greatest, and, 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 and hopefully coming out of this series, you'll have the greatest year so far of your life, is what I'm believing God for coming out of this fast in this series. So Matthew 22, 37 to 39, we're talking about, we've been talking about the great commandment, and watch what Jesus says. He says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. So I feel like we've nailed that part down, okay, up to this point. Today we're going to go into the second one. It says, the next sentence, it says, a second is equally important. Well, I thought the first was the greatest. I thought the greatest commandment was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. How can the second be equal You see, Jesus just played a little mind trick on you. He's saying, oh, by the way, this second commandment is equally important to the first and greatest. Love your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus is saying to love your neighbor as yourself is just as important as loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You get this? It's equally important. So just as important to love God, we are called to love our neighbor. I don't know about you, but I kind of grew up and those two were just not even on the same page. Right? I thought I was just supposed to love God and if I could, love my neighbor. Or be a good boy or be nice. I never, I never put the two together like Jesus just did. In fact, Jesus goes on after this and he says, in fact, these two, all the, the, the commands and the, and the prophecies and all the laws are revolving around these two commandments. So in other words, the two greatest things you can do in your life is love God with all and love your neighbor as yourself. That's the two greatest things you can do on the planet. And let me tell you something. If you've received God's love the way that he gives it to you, you're not going to have an issue with that. Because there's something inside of you driving you now. You've got this unconditional love inside of you that is motivating you. Come on. It's, it's, it's like gasoline in your engine. It's, it's driving you to love God back, and it's driving you to love your neighbor as yourself. But, Pastor, you don't know who my neighbor is. I don't want to know who your neighbor I got my own neighbors. He said for you to love yours, I got to love mine. I mean, if you want to swap neighbors, we can swap neighbors. You sure you want to do that? Neighbors aren't better on the other side. So Jesus says a second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. And he's talking to a bunch of religious folks that were trying to trick him. They were trying to trip him up. And he just kind of broke it down for them nice and simple and easy. So let's talk about this. Jesus said to love your neighbor as yourself. So evidently we are supposed to love ourselves. Right? We are supposed to love ourselves. So look at me. Let me see your eyes. You are supposed to love you. For some of you today, you're going, well, yeah, I know that. I love me all the time. For others of you, you're sitting here going, that's impossible. I can't love myself. You don't know who I am. You don't know where I come from. You don't know what I did. You don't know my past. You don't know my present. I can't love myself. So we touched a little bit on this in in week one. And today I want to I want to go a little bit deeper with loving yourself, because I think it's it's important that we know how to love ourselves, because there's a balance in loving yourself. You see, in this room today, we've got people that are on one 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 extreme and then we've got people that are on the other extreme. You've got people in this room this morning that love themselves too much. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. And then you've got people that are on the whole opposite extreme and they don't love themselves at all or they don't love themselves enough. 
And so what you get is you get an unbalanced love for yourself if you're not careful. Is this making sense? So what God wants us to do is to love ourselves the way that he loves us. You see, there's a balance in the middle of all that. You need to love yourself, but not too much. But you do need to love yourself enough that you don't go the opposite way. So let's talk about the person that loves themselves more than they should. Let me give you two examples. The rich young ruler. Y'all remember the rich young ruler in the Bible? He came to Jesus and said, what must I do? Jesus said, well, I'll tell you what, sell everything you got, give it to the poor and come follow me. And he walked away sad because he couldn't do that. He loved himself too much. And remember Zacchaeus, the story of Zacchaeus, the tax collector. He went around cheating people, stealing from people. And he was rich. And Zacchaeus got to the end of his life and he realized that everything he had stolen, everything that he had cheated people for was not fulfilling what was empty in his life. And when Jesus came along and met Zacchaeus, he said, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house today. Zacchaeus knew the condition of his heart. He knew he was a rotten, no good cheat. But Jesus, the son of God, wanted to come to his house that day. And when Jesus went to Zacchaeus' house, Zacchaeus experienced the love of God to a degree that he gave the money back plus some. Where are you at today? Do you love yourself too much? <laughs> are you involved in everything? Does the world revolve around you? Is it all about me, myself, and I? Anybody remember that rap song back in the day? Me, myself, and I? You'd be dating yourself. Let me give you this quote. Sin abounds in loving yourself too much. You know what it's called? It's called pride. That's where sin abounds is when you love yourself too much, when you have to walk away sad, when God asks you to do something or God tells you to do something and you can't do it because you love yourself too much. You know what that's called? That's called sin. In other words, it's a sin to love yourself too much. You see, the crazy thing about Jesus that most people couldn't wrap their minds around is that he was supposed to be the Messiah, the son of God. Everybody knew who Jesus was supposed to be. There was no secret. It was written in the scriptures of who he was supposed to be, the son of God, the Messiah, the savior of the world was coming. But when he came in the form of Jesus, like Jesus did, walking around with a robe like everybody else's robe and sandals like everybody else's sandals, and he sat at the table of sinners and tax collectors and all these other people, they couldn't put their mind around the fact that how can that be Jesus? Because if he's the son of God, isn't he supposed to be high and mighty? How can it be that he's sitting with these lowly people? So that's why they rejected him. They said, this can't be Jesus. This isn't the Messiah. He don't even look like the Messiah. But Jesus didn't think too much of himself. And he didn't love himself too much. So the total opposite extreme of that is that we find people that don't love themselves at all are not enough. So what does that look like? You remember the story of the prostitute in the Bible where Jesus comes and the, and the religious leaders that are getting ready to stone her. Okay. And Jesus steps in and then, then the Bible says that he draws a line in the sand and then he writes something in the sand. And scholars believe that he was writing their sins in the sand. Just writing them out. Come on. Cause he knows he's writing out their sins. And he says, so by the way, Whoever's without sin, let him cast the first stone. And what did they do? They dropped their stones and they walked away. Jesus got down to the level of a prostitute. He dropped down to her level. She was at a place of the lowest of low. Are you with me? She didn't love herself. I guarantee you she was told she was no good. A piece of trash. Never amount to anything. Good for nothing. Because you see, people that go to those levels don't love themselves. People that don't love themselves enough end up addicted. They, start, they think of themselves as useless and worthless and unloved and broken and beaten. 
prostituted and rejected. That's the way they see themselves. That's their self-image. This is the way I am. I'm just, this is who I am. You don't know me. I was raised up a Tyler. It was my last name. When the cops pulled me over for speeding or running a stop sign, I wanted to not have my ID so they wouldn't know that I was a Tyler because the Tylers didn't have a good reputation in my town. So I thought, I'm a Tyler. I'm going to always be a Tyler. I will never be better than a Tyler. I'm just a Tyler. Until God changed my heart, until God changed my mind, and I experienced his love for me. And I said, you know what? It's not what my last name says. It's what family I belong to. Right? I may carry the last name Tyler, but I belong to the family of God. Right? You may be a Boudreaux or a Thibodeau, and there's a million jokes written about you and your family. But that doesn't mean you got to live up to those things, right? You belong to the family of God. These people don't love themselves. They don't think they can ever be better than what they are. And the crazy thing is about the prostitutes is that Jesus came down to her level, and he picked her up. And he loved on her when nobody else wanted to love on her. And he breathed life into her. And you know what she did? She followed Jesus the rest of his days on the planet. She became a servant of God. And he never, ever reminded her of her past. When she fell, when she made mistakes, when she got an attitude with somebody or that old nature wanted to come back up, he never came in. Hey, don't you forget where you come from. Remember what you was before you met me. He never had to do that. Because he loved her. And she wanted more. Amen. So we find people that are on two extremes. Either they love themselves too much or they don't love themselves enough. And they live this broken down life when God's called you to something greater. Come on. I was headed that direction. My wife and I, she was, she was an alcoholic. I was on drugs, addicted to pornography. We were headed down a road of destruction. The enemy had a plan for me and for Cheryl. But when Jesus arrived on the scene... And she surrendered her life to Jesus. I rejected it. I said, no, I don't want to go down that road again. But she met Jesus and there was no changing her mind. So she starts following Jesus. I'm still smoking dope. She puts Christian music on the radio. I changed the channel. And I was the one that was saved before she was. Until I realized that he loved me. More than my drugs. More than my addictions. That he had plans for me better than the road I was on. He had a better road. The Bible says that Jesus wants us to have a rich and satisfying life. Are you willing to accept that? Because you see the people that are on this extreme and they can't love themselves enough. They've never experienced the true love of God. Everything's conditional to them. Right? So I don't know about you, but when God speaks to me, he speaks in the language of love. When God corrects me, he corrects me in love. When I read the Bible, I read love. Come on, it's inside of me. It's here. And it's supposed to be here, but it's supposed to be here filling me up to the point that it's overflowing into the people that I come in contact with, which is called my neighbor's. So I should be so full of God's love that when I go around and I kind of tip, I spill a little bit of love on somebody else. Right? You won't forget that. So, So that's what we're supposed to do. Just receive his love. It starts with receiving his love. If you've got it and you let him fill you up with his love, then you can pour it out on anybody you want to. You, I'm beating a dead horse, but you got to get this. You got to get this. It's not about how good you are. Are you willing? I want to hit you with this question. Are you willing to love someone else like you love yourself? Wherever you're at today, 
whether you love yourself a little too much or you don't love yourself enough, or maybe you're right there where you're supposed to be, are you willing to love somebody else the way you love yourself? And before you answer that question, you better think long and hard about how you love yourself. Because I don't know about you, but I take care of me. I protect me. I look out for me. I make sure I'm satisfied. Am I willing to do the same thing for somebody else? So who's your neighbor? That's a good question. Who is your neighbor? There was actually a religious guy in, in, the, in the book of Luke chapter 10, and he asked Jesus this question. The guy was trying to justify himself. In verse 29, 10, 29, he said this. He said, the, a man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus the question, who is my neighbor? <laughs> what I know now, if I could go back into the Bible days, I wouldn't ask no questions. <laughs> right? I mean, because you're just going to get shamed. I mean, Jesus is going to, anyway. So let's pick it up in verse 30. Watch what Jesus' Jesus's response. The guy asked the question, who is my neighbor? Here's what Jesus says. Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling on a trip from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he, when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, Take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay, I'll pay you the next time I, I, I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? <clears throat> it was a Samaritan. Pretty clear, right? Pretty easy story to follow. Two guys walk by, they see him, they go on the other side. Oh, no, no, me oh my, pass him on by. Right? The Samaritan. And notice the Bible said the Samaritan was despised. Jews didn't like Samaritans at all. It was a racial thing. It was a status thing. It was a poverty thing. It was a religious thing. Jews despise Samaritans. Isn't it funny that Jesus puts it in order that a Jew, the children of God, is laying in the ditch naked and beaten, and a Samaritan despised by that Jew is the one that comes and helps him. You see, God's going to set you up to help people that they really don't want your help. He's going to put people in front of you that don't even like you, and he's going to tell you to love them. And then you're going to be tempted to go, but Lord, you know they don't like me. Well, they don't want this. They won't even give me the time of day. Just love them. Just love them. So who's your neighbor? Your neighbor is anybody that God puts in front of you that you have the opportunity to love on. Remember, you're filled with God's love. It's splashing out. And God puts somebody in front of you. Are you going to love them? Or are you not? Because he says that that is your neighbor. That's your neighbor. That person is your neighbor. You getting this? That's who your neighbor is. That's who you're called to. That's your calling is to actually go and love the people that God puts in front of you. We make this thing so mysterious. What does God want me to do? Love people. As equally as you love him. But you see, we categorize things, right? We got God in this box and I love God. And we got people in this box and I'm going to handpick the ones I want to love. If they deserve it. <laughs> If they've earned it, if they're good enough for it, come on. Can I tell you, let, let me just be honest with you. I've had people come to me and ask me for financial help. Okay? And they got a fresh pack of cigarettes in their pocket. 
Can I be honest with you and say, I've said, no, I ain't helping you. And I look at that pack of cigarettes and say, you got enough money to buy that box of cigarettes, you got enough money to eat on. That's the attitude I've had. I've run into the, the drunk on side the road who wants more money. And I'm catching the buzz just talking to him. I'll be honest with you, I didn't want to help him. But I did. Now, I used some wisdom, and I didn't give him cash. Come on, somebody. He asked me for cash so he could go eat. They never ask you so they can drink more or go get more drugs. Hey, man, I need some drug money, man. Can you owe me 10? They never say that. They say, hey, I need something to eat. Really? Me too. Let's go eat. Come on. Let's go sit down at the table, and let's go eat. Uh, 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 uh. That's just me. That's been my attitude. That's something I'm working on. Because I want to love people the way that God loves me. I'm tired of people being in a separate category from God. Because Jesus said the second is equally important to the first. Right? The Samaritan man comes down and he picks this guy up. And he, he gets down to his level. This guy was at the lowest of low. He's in a ditch naked. Naked in a ditch. Everything stolen from him. Beaten, open wounds. This guy comes down and he picks him up and he applies medication or ointment or oil to his wounds. He cleans him up a little bit, puts him on his own donkey and he takes him into town and he puts him in the inn and he takes care of him all night. I mean, he's going the extra mile. Come on, somebody. He's going the extra mile with this guy. He stooped down to a level that he was not even at. He stooped down and met this guy where he's at and he, he healed him with love. He redeemed him with love. Come on. He picked him up out of his place and he brought him to another place and he administered care to him and he administered love to him. Then he he even took some money and gave to the innkeeper and said, hey, look, if this isn't enough, when I come back around, I'm going to catch the rest of that bill. We're called to love people. Right? Right? The Bible says freely you've been given, freely give. So just as you've received the love of God with no conditions and no strings attached, so give it. Amen? You know what I see more and more in America today, and I know you'll agree with me, is there seems to be more racial tension in America than ever before, at least in my lifetime. It seems to be bad. You know, back in my day, people used to fist fight when they had a problem. Today, they shoot each other. Right? A fist fight, at least a fist fight was fair. Now they shoot each other. And they don't think twice about it. I wonder if that has anything to do with people being on that extreme side of not loving themselves enough. And not knowing that God loves them. You think maybe that could cause a man to do that? Realizing that he's not loved, living in a, in a, in a, in a, in a, a mindset that nobody loves me. I'm a piece of trash. I'm a piece of dirt. Why do I need to live? Why do I care about somebody else if nobody cares about me? Right? So we've got all these racial issues going on today. And so, you got, so what you see is you see the church rising up and, and the church goes, oh, we need unity. We need unity between the blacks and the whites and the Spanish and the whites. And we need unity. We need unity. We need to bring everybody together. And everybody wants to create a program to bring the blacks and the whites together. My question is, what are you going to do when that happens? You want to know where the rubber meets the road is when a black man walks into this white church right here. And he sits down and he makes himself at home. How are you going to act? How comfortable are you going to be? Can you hold hands with a black man and pray to God together? Can you believe for a black man like you believe for a white man and vice versa? If this white boy walks into a black church and makes himself at home, how are they going to act? How are they going to respond? You see, Jesus is saying that you've got to push all that stuff to the side. And you've got to love your neighbor. So you need to watch out because your neighbor is going to be multicolored. Your neighbor... He's going to either have more money than you or less money than you. Come on. 
We all want it, but I wonder what happens when it happens. You see, I come from a family, and this is kind of a, it's a sad but funny story, and I laugh at it now because, because of, of my past when I was a kid. When I was a kid, we used to get picked on by my uncles that if you, if you, if you didn't act right, you were going to marry a black woman. Or they would pick on you and say, I saw you, I saw you kissing that black girl the other day. Oh, yeah. And everybody would laugh, and it was kind of like a family joke. Just being real, that's where I come from. And so my family was highly prejudiced. And I was on the road to prejudice. And then I met Jesus, and Jesus started changing my heart. And so what's funny is, is one of my best friends in high school was a black guy, and I used to go spend the night at his house, and my uncles would be like, what the heck? You let him go to a black man's house? They tell him, what's wrong with you? And I, we took it, and we went on, and he was a great friend. You want to know what's funny? Is that every one of them that used to pick on me about being with a black person or having black friends or, or just not seeing color, they're either married to, living with, or have had a baby with a black person. And I just find it a little bit ironic that what they used to be what they used to pick on, what they used to be critical of, some of them are now in love with. Right? So I was raised in hate. Chris has an incredible story of being raised in hate. His daddy was the 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 leader of the the Ku Klux Klan, and he was raised in that, born in that, lived in that. We're called to better than that, y'all. Right? We're called to better than that. Matthew 5.44 says this. It says, you've heard that the law says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But Jesus says this. Says, but I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. So a good question right there is, who's your enemy? Who are you uncomfortable loving? Who are you uncomfortable getting around? Is it the homeless guy? Is it the prostitute? Maybe it's the rich person you don't want to go reach out to because you don't feel like you're good enough. Come on, somebody. Is it the color of somebody's skin or their social status that is keeping you from reaching out to them? Jesus says to pray for your enemy. He says to love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. And when you do that, you're acting like one of his kids. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I thought that to be pretty cool. We call ourselves children of God, but maybe sometimes we don't act like it. But it's funny when we love our enemies and pray for them that persecute us. We're acting like children of the father. Let me give you another racial problem we have in America today is, and I've got a, I've got a close friend who served uh, a term or two in, in Iraq. And he was sharing with me what his experience was, and he's got a lot of stuff. Okay, you need to pray for our veterans and, and our, our servicemen and women that come back even while they're there because, man, they, they see some stuff and they get affected deeply by things. He said to me, he said, when I first went to Iraq about the first week or two, I saw these little Iraqi kids running around, and he said, I had a lot of compassion for him. He grew up as a Christian, and he said, man, I just felt compassion for him. I felt love for him. You know, I was, I was sad that they were in this place, and, you know, I just had all this compassion. He said, but when they started shooting back at me, he said, my heart changed. And so what he said was that they became my enemy. And so he's at war, and he, he sees all kind of nasty fights and, and people trying to kill him. You can't trust anybody. All these scars, all this stuff that he experienced, and he comes back to America, and you can't go anywhere with him. And if he sees a Muslim or even a dark-skinned person, anger just kind of balls up inside of him, and he wants to go tell him something. Like, you need to go back home. Get out of here. And they got nicknames for him. And my compassion is for him because he's got all this hate inside. And so right now he's, he's, he's wrestling with this verse. 
that says to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And I'm not saying that all of this stuff is easy and that you can just click a switch and all of a sudden you just love everybody, right? It's the, it's the love switch. I got my love switch on. I just love everybody, right? I'm not saying it's that easy. I know we wrestle with things. I wrestle with things today. But I'm called to do something better than I'm doing. I'm called to love the people that nobody else wants to love. Why? Because God loves them. Just as much as he loves you. You see, we get off into this thing thinking, you know, I'm a Christian now, so I've got more love than anybody else. God loves me. He don't love them other people. That's not true because you used to be one of those other people. Right? I thank God somebody loved you. I thank God for the Sunday school teachers that put up with my stuff and they loved me. I thank God for the Sunday school teacher when I was a teenager. He was uh, a volunteer police officer and he loved to do like handholds and maneuvers where he could put you in pain. I thank God for him because in Sunday school, he put me in some pain. But it did something to me besides hurt me, right? He, he did love on me. It came through the form of pain sometimes, but he loved on me. I thank God for my mama that she whipped my butt, right? Because she loved me. I thank God for the people that God's put in my life that stooped down to my level, and love me. I thank God for my great uncle who watched me leave home, go to college, and backslide. He knew what was going on. He would talk to my best friend. He says, how's my boy doing? Oh, Mr. Melvin, he's not doing too good. Well, let's just keep praying for him. He prayed for me. He loved me enough to give me a couple minutes out of his day and pray for me. Never judged me, never condemned me, never looked at me with that look. You know what I'm saying? He gave me what he had, God's love. Right? And that's all we're called to do is to give what we've been given. So Romans 13.8 says this, Owe nothing to anyone except for the obligation to love one another. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of God's law. So loving your neighbor fulfills the requirements of the law. Amen? Loving your neighbor is loving God back. That's what we've been talking about. So 1 John 4 says this, If someone says, I love God but hates a Christian brother or sister, that person is a liar. Well, let that one marinate for a minute. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? And he has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their Christian brothers and sisters. So who's your neighbor? Your neighbor's your enemy. Your neighbor's your brother. Your neighbor's your Christian sister or brother. Your neighbor is the people that you like to be around and the people you don't like to be around. Your neighbor is anyone that God decides to put in your path and give you an opportunity to love. That's who your neighbor is. So that's the person you're called to love as yourself. Which means that anything you're willing to do for you, you ought to be willing to do it for somebody else. And boy, that's easier said than done. Right? And we can say it with a smile. We can say it with inspiration. You just got to give people what you give to yourself. You see how that looks? But let somebody walk in front of you that you don't like and see how easy that feels. Right? So let me give you a couple of things real quick on how to love your neighbors yourself. I want to write these down there on your notes. So ways to love your neighbors yourself. You can love your neighbors yourself with resources. You need to give of your resources. You don't need to hold on to your stuff so tightly that God can't use it to touch the lost and dying world around you. You can love on your neighbor with protection. 
You can look out for people that are in front of you with protection. You can, you can love your neighbor with encouragement. You know, sometimes I think we just downplay encouragement too much. Right? Mm-hmm. We just, we think encouragement's no big deal. But to the person who's down and out, it's a big deal. Amen? Everybody needs to hurt. Everybody needs to hear, man, good job. You're doing good. It was good to see you today. Right? Everybody needs a little bit of encouragement. You can love people with direction. Sometimes you need to help people. Sometimes they don't know which way to go or what to do or what to say. You need to just step out and help them. Amen? And if they choose to use your help or not, that's not your business. You just help them. And then you can love your neighbor with comfort. Maybe you need to comfort them. You know, the Bible, I was taught a good lesson this week. My, my friend, I was, I was kind of bummed out when I heard the news about Pastor Bubba. And honestly, it, it gave me flashbacks of my mom because Pastor Bubba was like a father to me. And, and so I had a rough moment one morning. And I was just here at the office. And I just felt lonely. So I called my best friend. He usually calls me. I called him and almost gave him a heart attack because I called him. He goes, man, everything's okay? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, bro, everything's fine. I said, I just need to hear your voice, man. I just want to talk. And he said, well, bro, what's up? I said, man, I'm just going through some stuff, man. I said, well, it's not me. I said, I'm just, I'm hurting. I said, it's, you know, and I told him the story of what, what's going on with Pastor Bubba. And he, he told me something, and, man, it made a lot of sense. He said, you know, a lot of times in church we want to act in this hyper faith when people give us bad news. He said, but the Bible says to mourn with those who are mourning. And rejoice with those who are rejoicing. He said, so man, he said, if, if Pastor Bubba's mourning, mourn with him. If he cries, cry. If he's down, be down. Encourage him, but don't go in there fake. And don't go in there trying to. And so man, it was, it was a great lesson. And so I was like, man, you know what? I need to comfort people. I need to know where they're at. And if they're mourning, I need to mourn with them. Come on, somebody. And if they're rejoicing, I need to be excited. Right? So then maybe you can love your neighbor by listening. Oh, that's a good one. Just listen to them. You know, there's, there's actually buildings in America called old folks homes that are filled with people that just want to talk. And they just want to have somebody listen. And I truly believe this, that all the wisdom of the world is stored up in a nursing home. You need some help? Maybe you need to go to the nursing home. And find that old fella that don't smell too good. And sit down and listen to him. Maybe you'll learn something. So just listening sometimes helps people. You need to mourn with them. You need to rejoice with them. We talked about that. You can love people with friendship. Right? There's a lot of lonely people in the world today. You can love your neighbor with acts of service. I used to take my kids and go sneak a blessing on people. We would go in early in the morning and wash their car. And try to be done before they woke up. I was brainwashing my kids, right? Acts of service. Go and help somebody. With kindness. Woo! Maybe you need to give a little kindness away. And what about patience? Well, we can love people with some patience, huh? Amen? So those are just some ways that you can love your neighbor as yourself. Because if you look at this list, honestly, you do this for yourself, don't you? I said, don't you? Mamie, would you come up and play? It'd be Mamie, just Mamie's fine. I just want to pray for you this morning. I don't know where you're at. I don't know where your heart is and. I don't know how you feel. I don't even know what your past is. I don't know if you've been hurt by somebody and you just have a hard time loving that kind of a person. But my hope and my prayer is today is that you leave here knowing that when I love other people, I'm loving God. And that when I fulfill the second command, I'm fulfilling the first command. Because the second command is equally important to the first one. Pastor Bubba gave me an analogy this morning, and I think it kind of fits good right here. He said, most Christians today are like a TV dinner, 
right? You remember a TV dinner? You got all different foods in different categories, right? Different little sections on this plate, and it's got a lid on it. And so you take the lid off, and you see you got your maybe your your main course, right? And you got a side, and maybe another side, and you got a little section that has dessert in it, right? On a TV dinner. So most Christians see the world or live like a TV dinner where they have sections in their life. And so you got God in one section. And hey, you may be religious enough to give him the big section. And you got people, job, family, and all these other sections. And he says, that's crazy. He said, because God wants us to live like a chicken pot pie where everything is just kind of mixed together, right? All that good, nutritious stuff, and I can't stand chicken pot pie. All that good stuff just mixed together, right? You got your peas and your carrots and your chicken and all those things in this little pie. I don't know who thought about that, but he was lazy, okay? He didn't like sections, but God's called us to just blend it all together. You see what, these, what the greatest commandment says to us? Is that loving God and loving people are the same thing. Jesus took it and he mixed it together. And he said to love God, you got to love your neighbor. Because I know we all want to love God, right? But maybe we all don't want to love our neighbor. But the two are the same. Amen. Can you stand up with me this morning? I just want to pray for you. I'm thinking about when we get to heaven one day. I'm thinking about the people I'm going to see that I was responsible for them getting there. I can see some of their faces right now. So I'm glad that I'm, I'm going to get to go into heaven and say, <laughs> I know you. Hey. Or maybe, hey, you made it. <laughs> Whoa. Bro, turn around. Let me see that burn mark on your back. You made it. Maybe. I mean, I don't know. But you know what? Those are the people that I took enough time to love them with the love of God. And because of that, they can now experience what I'm experiencing. Right? So I don't know where you're at today. Could you bow your head and close your eyes? I don't know where you're at, but I just want to give you an opportunity. Maybe you need to repent. Maybe you need to just ask God for help. I've been told that you need to embarrass the sin in your life. Sometimes that may be just in the simple form of raising your hand when everybody else's heads are bowed and eyes are closed. But if you've been struggling today with loving your enemy, I want you just to raise your hand real quick. Just put it up real quick. I see you. Put it up. Good. Good. If you're here today and you, you realize now that you've loved yourself to this point too much, just quickly raise your hand. If, if the world revolves around you and you know who you are and everything's about you, just slip your hand up real quick. I see you. Slip your hand up. Or maybe you're here today. Maybe you're the person that doesn't love themselves enough. If that's you, raise your hand. Just real quick. I see you. Thank you, Lord. Father, I come to you this morning. Lord, you saw what's going on. You saw those that raised their hands. Father, you know where we're at today. You know the condition of our heart. Thank you for your grace and thank you for your mercy, Lord. Thank you that you don't hold a grudge and you're not mad at us. I thank you, Lord, that you that you love us enough to give us grace and to give us mercy. And to give us another chance, Lord. Father, you know the pain that, that some of these folks have with loving people. 
some of the hurt and the past wounds and all those things, Lord. You know what's going on. So, Father, I ask you right now to just administer oil to that pain, oil to those wounds, the past hurts and wounds that keep us from loving our enemies, keep us loving, keep us from loving our neighbors, Lord. Whatever it is that's getting in the way, Father, I just pray right now that you would touch it and you would release it off of their lives and you would heal the pain and heal the hurt. In the name of Jesus, I say to you, be healed right now in Jesus' name. And Lord, flood them with your love right now, Lord. I just pray for a love experience right now, Father. So much so that pain leaves, condemnation leaves, guilt leaves, sorrow leaves. A downcast spirit leaves. Depression leaves. Sorrow leaves. All the words that have been spoken over them, Lord, it just leaves right now, Lord. It's broken in the name of Jesus, and you speak over them right now, Lord. And Father, for those that are here and they love themselves too much, Lord, give them grace to bow down. Give them grace to step down. And Father, for those that don't love themselves enough, Lord, maybe their parents didn't speak enough life into them. Maybe they didn't get enough encouragement. Or maybe they made some bad decisions. Whatever it is, Lord, I just pray shame off of them. Condemnation off of them. That heavy yoke, that heavy burden that the enemy's putting on them that wants to keep them down in this pit of I don't love myself. God don't love me. Nobody else loves me. I'm calling you out of that pit into a, 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 a place of life and a place of love. In the name of Jesus, I say to you right now, come out of that pit. Come out of that pit right now. Lord, help them to, to receive your love. Help them to fully receive your love, Lord. And all that you have for them, sing over them, Lord. Speak over them right now. You're my child. I love you. Your past is washed away. You're forgiven. It's all over with. I still love you. I loved you before you made that mistake. I loved you after you made that mistake. And I love you today. And so, Lord, I just pray that over them right now, Father. Lord, I pray for a fresh wind of your Holy Spirit to just blow in this room right now. Refreshing from the Holy Spirit of God, come right now. Just breathe upon your people, Lord. Breathe upon your people right now, Father, and I thank you. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing. Jesus, you said, come to me, all you who are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon your neck. Because it's light and it's easy. So, Lord, I pray we walk out of here today a little bit lighter, a little bit easier, knowing what we need to do. And it's a simple thing. Just go spill some love out on some other folks. So, Father, thank you for today. In the mighty name of Jesus. Can I hear a big amen?